0: What's up, Brookwood? This show, Ron steps out of his comfort zone as he sits down with Jamie Winfrey, who is the director of Gwinnett Citizens for a Comprehensive Sex Education. Uh, Jamie is a former Gwinnett County educator. She has a master's in education. She grew up in the area. I think she graduated from Brookwood in 95. Um, She does a lot around the community and is always volunteering for this and that. She sees the way that Gwinnett County deals with the sex education in schools and um, is trying to change it. She, You may de- agree, you may disagree with her thoughts on the matter, but she brings up some real valid points that should be discussed. I haven't really thought
1: about sex education since middle school, but now that my kids are going to school, this is a topic that I'll be facing soon. I think there's a lot of other parents in the area that are going to be the same. So here's Jamie and Ron. One, two, three. I- What's up, Brookwood community? From the Dogwood Pizza Studios, this is the What's Up, Brookwood Podcast. Good morning.
0: Good morning, Ron.
1: I am with Jamie Winfrey, and uh, today we're going to be talking about a subject that uh, you guys understand that I'm an old man, (laughs) uh, that I've probably lost track of over the last 50 years, and uh, we're going to be talking about sex education in schools and how it relates. And so, uh, Jamie, welcome to our very plush studio.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. It's lovely.
1: And uh, so we're just—you know—we're gonna—we're gonna have a little conversation here. And uh, everyone needs to understand that uh, my last official sex education was probably 1968, <laughs> and uh, they told me things that it was—it was more. Let's see how bad we can scare these young men. So, anyway, welcome. And uh, tell me a little bit about what you do.
0: So, um, in. June of 2017, we, uh, myself and my co-founder, Tamara Ashley, um, who is also part of the Brookwood community, we founded um, Gwinnett Citizens for Comprehensive Sex Education. And the goal of our group is to convince the school board, essentially, um, to advocate for a comprehensive sex ed curriculum. And what that means is that it covers everything that a young person would need to make healthy decisions about their health and their relationships for the future. The reason why we created this was because um, of an incident that took place in June of 2017 where Tamara's daughter was taking sex ed in summer school. And Tamara um, asked her daughter to take notes because she had had... um, her older daughter had had a negative experience in sex ed. So she asked her daughter to take notes and to write down who was doing the speaking. Because one thing that a lot of people don't know is that um, it's not always a teacher who teaches sex ed in Gwinnett County. Um, I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But the um, her daughter came home and had had some pretty disturbing things said to her. Um, one of the Most egregious was an activity that is pretty popular um, amongst sex ed presenters. They take a bag of candy. They give a piece of candy to each one of the students. They ask them to unwrap it, put it in their mouth, swish it around, put it back in the wrapper, and then the teacher collects all of them. And the exact quote from this class was when the teacher took them back up, she offered them to a student. Of course, the student said, no, that's gross. I don't want something that's already been eaten. And the teacher said, well, if you think that's gross, imagine it was someone's vagina. Needless to say, that did not go over very well. Um, we Wow. Yeah.
1: I, I'm just, I, you know, you're talking to an old man, old yeah. conservative old man. This is, this is eye-opening.
0: Yeah. Um, and needless to say, that is very shaming. It puts all of the onus on the girl, the female, that um, she's now used up and dirty and no longer valuable um, because she had had sex. That's what this is representing. Um, and so we started talking to people, and the what really got me involved, What what prompted me to really go to the school board in June and to create this organization was the stories that we were hearing, particularly from female students who had been through this curriculum. Um, And I've heard stories everything from I was raped every day in the eighth grade. And when I got to ninth grade and I was in health class, I we had this candy activity and it was very clear from that and from the book we were using that any girl who was not a virgin when she got married was not worthy she was not of use to anyone she had no value and then i was forced to sign a virginity pledge and i didn't have a virginity to give because i had been raped and the people who tell me these stories are they are still suffering from this they're still i mean that that probably sounds extreme but honestly i mean i talked well,
1: to I'm, I'm, you know I'm, didn't happen to me, and I'm starting to feel trivialized here. Right. That's that's, that's a horrible story.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, other stories. Another issue with the curriculum is, um, which is called Choosing the Best, by the way. That is the name of the textbook that the county uses for sex education. Um, it is an abstinence only based curriculum and a lot of times there's some question as to what abstinence only means. does it that sometimes they call it abstinence plus or one word they like to use is sexual risk avoidance curricula. Um, but the reality is that the CDC has a very strictly defined, um, our strict definition for what abstinence only is, and by their own description, choosing the best meets that definition for abstinence only. Because another thing that they do is they don't, they only talk about contraception in terms of its failure rates. So a quote that we've heard from students who've taken sex ed in Gwinnett County was that one of these outside presenters, presented them with a pamphlet about um, how condoms fail. And the quote was, if you use a condom, it's like hanging off a rope, a frayed rope off a cliff, it will break. So we have dozens of stories from students past and present, who have said, I never used contraception, or my boyfriend never used contraception because we were taught in class that it didn't work, so we thought there was no point, and then I got an STD, and I'll have this STD for my life, or then I got pregnant and I had an abortion, or then I got pregnant and I had to have a kid because I believed that contraception didn't work. And honestly, the worst story um, that I think really illustrates the damage that this does is a young lady who was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome by her um, primary care physician and the treatment for that is birth control pills because it's a hormonal imbalance and she there was such a stigma placed on birth control in her sex ed class that she believed that she would be quote a slut if she went on the birth control pill. so she delayed getting treatment for a legitimate medical condition because of what she learned in her sex ed class. And when she finally couldn't take it anymore, she went to a gynecologist, she got uh, birth control pills to treat her condition, and once she did, she became this like beacon of hope for all of the other girls in her class who were saying, oh, you went to the doctor, did you ask about this? What did they say about this? Because they were all afraid to find out about these things as well. And that's a problem. So...
1: Wow, you know, this is just this is outside of my world being mm-hmm. an old, old guy. But uh, what changes are you, you advocating for?
0: So we have a petition that we have about 1,200 signatures on um, on our website which is uh, www.gwinnettcse.org. Um, and you can see you know, everything that's on the petition. We have about 12 bullet points. Um, basically, we want the curriculum to be medically and scientifically accurate. Um, the current curriculum, Choosing the Best, is not medically and scientifically accurate, and I know that because the CDC has a an evaluation uh, tool that they use for sex ed curricula called the HECAT. It's an acronym. I can't remember what it stands for, H-E-C-A-T. And when this curriculum, Choosing the Best, is evaluated by the CDC's tool, it gets a zero for medical accuracy. It does not give accurate information to these kids. And we believe that it is extremely important that kids have the information that they need to make healthy decisions because the reality is that some kids will wait until they're married, but most kids won't. I mean, statistically, even 80% of evangelicals have sex prior to marriage. So withholding information is not doing anything positive for them. So we will also want it to be non-shaming and without values judgment. So we don't want it to be where Girls are taken into a room, and this is another real story that happened at Brookwood High School, where the girls are separated from the boys, and the girls are taken into a room and told by the presenter that their virginity is a gift to give to their husband, and why would you want to deprive him of that? And again, when you have statistically in any classroom, you have at least three students who've been sexually abused, and that's going by Gwinnett County statistics. So when you have these students in the classroom who already don't have a virginity to pledge this is doing legitimate harm to these students and we find that unacceptable
1: so is 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 this a county program is this a state program is this a federal program um i'd have to believe that there many government agencies have their hands in this
0: absolutely so the short short version goes that there is um Money available from the federal government and from the state government. Um, Title V money is for abstinence education. Title X money is for teen pregnancy prevention. But the
1: policy itself, is, the this, poli- is this handed down from the State Board of
0: Education? It's it's actually legislated by the state legislature. So we have, in Georgia, we have mandated sexual education By the state. However, the law is so broad that you can almost use anything. The only requirements in the state law currently are that it emphasized that abstinence is the most effective way to prevent pregnancy and sexually transmitted diseases, because of course it is, right? It is.
1: You can't argue that point. Yeah, you
0: can't argue that point. If you don't do it, you can't get it, right? That's right. So, but that doesn't mean that you have to exclude other information. You just have to include that. So any sex ed curriculum that would be used in anywhere in the state would do that, would emphasize that abstinence is the most effective way, and any curriculum would do that anyway. Um, They also require that there be information about HIV and AIDS um, and how to prevent it. And they also, uh, I believe the wording is something to the effect that it should be um, emphasized. I think it actually says abstinence within marriage is the most effective way to prevent t- pregnancy and STDs. And it also um, says that we, we should, the guidelines should be the community values of the particular school district should guide the, curricul- the selection of the curriculum. So then it's up to the individual school district, in our case, Gwinnett County Public Schools, to say what we're going, what they're going to use, what materials they're going to use to satisfy that state requirement of teaching sex education. Gwinnett goes farther, and in their AKS, which is their academic knowledge skills, their standards that they have to cover, there are specific things that they have to teach. But those standards don't preclude or don't dictate which book you would use to teach those standards. So you can use choosing the best, you could use another curriculum, as long as you are covering those individual bullet points that Gwinnett wants you to cover.
1: I would, wow. Um, Such a controversial subject, and it's so wide open. Mm -hmm. Uh, You said that the state can, uh, they don't mandate, but they say that there should be differences in the education from one district to another or from one school to another. I think mm-hmm. you said community. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you do that? I mean, it's, it's uh, uh, there are socioeconomic, there are cultural differences between communities. Absolutely. And uh, how, how do you do that?
0: Well, um, I've talked to a good number of people about that. Um, uh, one of the people that we have worked with is Laura Register. She's on the school board in Grady County, which is where Cairo, Georgia is right over this Florida state line. Um, I've also talked to Grady County superintendent and they changed from an abstinence-based curriculum to a comprehensive sex ed curriculum about two to three years ago. Um, and Laura and Dr. Gilliard, were the ones who led the way. And they had community meetings about it. And they always tell this story about how um, all the firefighters were dads and they all showed up to the community meeting they held and they were all mad because they thought they were going to be teaching their kids you know, inappropriate things. And by the time the meeting was over, they were saying, y'all aren't covering enough. You need to also say this, 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 and this. Um, the reason that Grady County changed was because it's a rural area And Dr. Gilliard specifically said, we had 11-year-olds coming to school pregnant. We had to do something. And abstinence education was not cutting it. So it does depend on the location, and it does take, you know, a certain amount of thought by the school district as to what their students need. And then you have complex school districts like Fulton, where South Fulton and North Fulton are completely different worlds. But the the school district is probably going to adopt one – you know, one curriculum instantly they use choosing the best too, um, so <laughs> so you know it does vary. Um, I should say that there is also standards that come down from the state uh, superintendent's at office. Um, from Richard Wood's office, but as we know, Gwinnett has its own standards. Gwinnett doesn't use just the state standards. We use the academic knowledge skills. So I think that our standards are a little bit more extensive than what the state mandates, but they're based on the state standards.
1: I guess this is what you're trying to do, is you're trying to educate parents. That is absolutely correct. What, what can parents do? I uh, What should parents do? What should be the parent's role in all this? You know, the, when, when I grew up, it was talk to your dad, Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, dad would say, talk to your mom, and blah, 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 blah. But uh, I guess it was freshman year in high school when you started hearing about this stuff from someplace other than the street. And uh, I'm just, just curious, what are you advocating for? Because you can either turn it over to the parents, we can turn it over to the schools, or there should be a happy medium somewhere in there uh, how do we how do we get the parents involved and how do we educate the parents?
0: That is a fantastic question. So um, our position has always been that the school should teach the medical and scientific facts, and that the values and the morals should be left to the parents and the church um, that that should be split that way. And uh, you know, a lot of our critics have said, But this should be the parent's job. This should be the parent's job. And I completely agree. Parents absolutely should be having these conversations with their students. You know, a a good analogy that we like to use is driving. You send your kid to driver's ed to get the technical information about driving, how to stop, how to turn, how to turn the key, how to turn your blinker on, all of that technical information. But you, as the parent, are the ones who set the parameters for when the child is allowed to use the car how often they're allowed to use it, how what they need to do to be safe in your eyes. So that's sort of a good analogy for how we think the split should go um, between the school and the home. The problem is when people say, well, you know, sc- sex ed shouldn't be taught in schools at all. It should just be at home. The majority of parents statistically do not have these conversations with their kids. I mean, my personal sex talk from my parents, I was in the third grade, my father walked down the stairs with a book in his hand called What's Happening to My Body? Book for Girls and said, your mother wanted me to give you this. And that's all I ever heard about it. (laughs) So a lot of parents are uncomfortable having these conversations with their kids. Do we just abandon all of the students? who don't get this information from home or church and we just don't give them any information because as you said, Ron, this really is the only concentrated information that most people will get about sexual health in their lifetimes. Most people don't go take another seminar when they're in college or, or out of college about sexual health. They don't probably read a lot about it. Um, they probably just maybe talk about it in passing Or, you know, just talk about it with their partner or whatever. But the the only time that most people are going to get a concentrated class of instruction about how to protect themselves, how to be safe, and how to make good decisions is in school. So we believe that since it's mandated by the state, and since that is true, why would we not want to use the best possible materials to fulfill that requirement and to teach them that information? So, Jamie, this
1: is, uh, this is for high school education. Is that correct? Is that what I'm hearing?
0: We primarily are focusing on the ninth grade curriculum, yes. The, however, in Gwinnett County, choosing the best curriculum is also used in the middle school.
1: So there, again, this 65-year-old guy sitting here, sex education is taught in the middle schools. Right. Is it taught in the elementary schools?
0: Sex education is not taught per se in the elementary schools, so right before the Georgia legislature's legislative session broke up um, in the spring, they passed a law that says that every student from kindergarten through 12th grade in the state must now get information about sexual abuse um, in order to help keep the students safe. So that's not really sex ed so much, it's about Um, You know, in the kindergarten elementary school level, um, you know, my girls go to Brookwood Elementary, and they talk about lures, so the candy lure, the puppy lure, you know, what what someone might do to try and get the child away from his parents, Um, those sorts of things. But they don't really talk about sex ed so much, except for in the fifth grade, where they have a program where they split the boys and the girls, and they just talk about basically puberty, like very basic this is what's happening to your body kind of information. Um, and they do separate the boys and girls for that. Middle school gets a little bit more involved, and of course we would not want the same curriculum to be used in the middle school level as in a high school level because that would be inappropriate. Um, it, it sort of steps up you know, what's appropriate for every level.
1: Do you feel, does your group feel, or does this, is your understanding, does the school district feel... That uh, the how can I put this? Parents might be reading some of this stuff and say, "I don't want my children to know this. It's too graphic. It's it's too uh, it's it's I I don't know."
0: Is there something controversial in there? Is yeah, that, is it yeah. 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 So. Um, There have been accusations of that with comprehensive uh, sex education. In fact, um, as we were presenting to the school board over a period of about nine months, there was a a group of um, folks from a local Catholic church, uh, a very conservative Catholic church, who sort of took up opposition. um, And they told the school board everything from we wanted to teach kindergartners how to have sex to we wanted to teach ninth graders how to have more pleasurable sex, none of which is true. Um, we just want medically and scientifically correct information. That's all we want. Um, and,
1: and leave it up to the parents and the churches to to do the, the morality side.
0: That's correct. So if if the um, you know if parents believe that their children shouldn't have sex until they're married, or if children are part of a youth group who you know subscribe to that, absolutely, then they get that. But not everybody gets that. Right. So doing that just in the school system. The, the other thing that's really important to understand is that, um, you know, there's been these accusations. Well, it's just a case of dueling studies. You have this study that says that choosing the best works. And then you have this study that says that comprehensive sex ed works. And it's just a case of which one do you believe? That's just not true. There is a mountain a mountain of evidence that says, from every major medical association in America, from the CDC to the American Academy of Pediatrics to the American Medical Association, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, who say comprehensive sex ed is the most effective way to prevent teen pregnancy, to prevent sexually transmitted diseases, and even to prevent things like domestic partner violence. They all not only say that abstinence education is ineffective, They also say it's dangerous. So if you look at, for example, the Choosing the Best website, they will say they are research-based. But when you dig a little bit deeper, you'll find that they only have one research study that backs them, which they paid for themselves and was a sampling of only 180 local Georgia ninth grade students. Um, When you compare that to this huge mountain of evidence that is supported and and studied by all of these medical associations. There's just really no comparison. You
1: know that I am extremely involved in the school, the, the school system, <clears throat> and I have a tremendous amount of respect for Mr. Wilbanks and, and Bob McClure and the, the entire board. Why would they, uh, maybe it's not driven by them, I don't know, uh, why would they not want to go the direction of full information? Or, or is, is it lawsuit dictated? Is it, is it parental... Uh, opposition? Is it, I, I don't, is it their hands-off? I don't know because most, most of them are older than I am. I don't know.
0: Well, a couple of things. One, um, I should have said uh, with your previous question, parents have the option now and would in the future, whatever curriculum we use, have the option to opt their kids out. So I actually know, um, I actually spoke to a parent recently who is homeschooling th- their high school children specifically because of the abstinence curriculum, because they think it's dangerous, which is an extreme position to take, right? Um, so if parents did think that the curriculum was too graphic, they would have that option to, okay. to, to opt their kids out. Okay. Um, to answer this question,
1: I don't want to get an answer to that because you, you, they just won't share that information. Right.
0: Um, Well, they did. Um, There were a couple of board members. um, I'm not going to lie. It was very frustrating um, in presenting to the board because after about four or five months of every school board meeting presenting to them, um, having our research director present to them who studies this for a living um presenting cdc facts you know at the school board meetings etc we had a one-on-one meeting with one of the board members and it was very very clear that nothing we had said had penetrated at all like it had not been listened to because the questions that were asked were all questions we had answered you know multiple times Um, so that was a little bit frustrating. We also had two school board members during school board meetings to basically say they thought it was a morality issue, that it was the right thing to do to teach abstinence in high schools. Now, there are probably a lot of people that agree with that on a moral level. As well, we well, said, I'm sure,
1: that the, the logic behind that is, is if you teach abstinence, then you either do it or you don't.
0: And, and that is the logic. Unfortunately, that logic is flawed and, and incorrect because it's been proven by umpteen studies um, that that's just not true. That, that if you... Most people who are in favor of abstinence education um, are pro-life, want to prevent abortions, want to prevent teen pregnancy, want to prevent um, sexually transmitted diseases, okay? However, all of the evidence... All of the studies that have ever been done show that if you want to decrease abortion, if you want to decrease teen pregnancy, STDs, then you do comprehensive sex education. That is what works if you look at the evidence. Abstinence education does not work. It's ineffective when it comes to preventing those things. So it's sort of an irony that people who are pro-life and want to eliminate teen abortions won't consider that the bulk of the evidence shows that the way to do it is to give the kids the information they need to prevent pregnancy and therefore decrease the abortion rate.
1: And let it be an educated choice anyway.
0: That's exactly right. Because, I mean, education, withholding information is never educational, right? Um, And going back again to the the fact that a lot of these kids, they don't have parents at home who are talking to them about these things. They, don't, well,
1: they may not have parents at home.
0: They may not have parents at home, okay? And as um, whether you're your generation, my generation, or the current generation, learning on the school bus or, you know, with your buddies about sex usually is not the best way to get information. I mean, I have had people come to me and tell me there are girls in Gwinnett County right now who are using Diet Coke after sex internally to prevent pregnancy because they believe that that will keep them from getting pregnant.
1: I don't know what to say to that.
0: Yeah, you probably shouldn't say anything. Um, Additionally, if you look at the statistics for uh, the public health statistics for Gwinnett County, Um, Over the past 18 years that choosing the best has been used, the abstinence curriculum has been used in Gwinnett County since the year 2000, the STD rate for gonorrhea and chlamydia amongst teenagers has increased 300%. The rates for these sexually transmitted diseases are going up. That tells you it's not working. You know, it's not working. The teen pregnancy rates across the country are all falling. However, Gwinnett's teen pregnancy rate was much, much lower than the Georgia State teen pregnancy rate until the last about 10, 15 years. And the gap is getting smaller. So although the teen pregnancy rate is still falling, it's falling at a much slower rate than it was previous to the abstinence curriculum being in place.
1: So if people wanted to get involved in your efforts in your organization, how would they go about doing that?
0: Uh, The best way is to go to Facebook and search for us, Gwinnett Citizens for Comprehensive Sex Education. Um, We have a lot of articles there. Um, We have a lot of information about uh, what comprehensive sex ed is and what it's not, um, what abstinence education is and what it's not. And you can... um, If you want to get involved, you can send a private message to us there, or you can go to our website, which, again, is GwinnettCSE.org. And um, you'll find our petition there. You'll find all of our um, press appearances there, a lot of information about sex ed in the state of Georgia and statistics in terms of teen pregnancy, STDs, et cetera. Um, And you can sign the petition or you can just send us an email there. Um, Our email address, if you want to just email us directly, is gwinnettcse at gmail.com. What we want to do is, as you said, we want to help students be healthy, So, one of the things that we're looking at going forward is to try to create a student health advocate program where there are students trained by the Department of Public Health in this information so that kids, if they don't feel comfortable going to their parents or teachers about sexual health information, they know that there are peers who have the correct information that have medical information that that they can rely on. The other thing we want to do going forward is we're going to start hosting some parent seminars on how to talk to your kids about sex. So if parents have questions, what's the best book for me to use? Or how do I talk to them about this? Um, You know, a big thing that's come up recently is porn, because it's readily available on the internet. And there was a big article that came out in New York Times, I believe it was over the summer, talking about how the majority of teenage boys now are getting their sex education from pornography. And I think we could all agree that is not a good thing because they're getting, they're seeing things that are not reality and they're thinking they're reality. And that can just lead to so many problems.
1: Well, what else would you like to tell us, Jamie? I really want to thank you for your efforts trying to make this a better community. And, uh, you know, for all the other work, because I know you've worked with me been a couple of years, but in the past on other things. And uh, I really, really appreciate your community involvement. Uh, Anything else you'd like to say?
0: Um, You know, the one thing that that I mentioned earlier that I definitely want to uh, cover is that most parents are not aware that in Gwinnett County, it may not be a teacher at your child's school who's teaching sex education to your child. There is a local organization um, known as a crisis pregnancy center, um, which is a pro-life, anti-abortion organization, who has people go into the schools and teach their kids sex education. Um, regardless of where you stand, pro-life, pro-choice, whatever, um, I think most most of us would probably agree that we want trained teachers teaching our kids, regardless of the subject. Um, this is something that has been approved by the county, but is a local school decision. Um, These people were still coming in, and unfortunately, they are the presenters who tend to um, use more of the egregious activities, use more of the shaming tactics, um, focus on the female students more. It's very frustrating to me as a parent to think that that's going on, and specifically that parents are not informed. So if I have a children's author come to Brookwood Elementary is, and they're going to speak to my children. I get a paper about it at home and I get to say whether or not I want that to happen. But there are these outside groups who are coming in and presenting to our students and parents are not being made aware of it. Hmm. I find that problematic. Um, The other issue is consent. So this has been obviously a huge topic in the news with the advent of the Me Too movement, Time's Up movement, right? So people have been um, talking about what does consent mean? And this is something that is not covered in the current curriculum, really at all. There's one page in the book. That's about date rape, and it's about three sentences, and it says, um, I went to a party. There's a picture of a young lady there. I went to a party. I got drunk. There was a boy that I had a crush on. He took me in his car out to a field, and he raped me, and then there's about three or four questions there, and one of the questions is, how could this have been prevented, and the answer in the teacher's manual is, she should not have been drinking, so again, the onus is always put on the female student to, so she was supposed to prevent her own rape now, Right. There needs to be more information about consent at an earlier age. So when you talk about is sex ed taught at the elementary school level, one of the things we can start with, um, and this is something that's done in other parts of the world, Scandinavia is just... Hands down, the best, really the most effective place that sex ed is taught because they begin in kindergarten talking about consent in terms of bodily autonomy. So if Billy wants to hug Susie, but Susie doesn't want to hug, Susie doesn't have to be hugged because Susie doesn't want him touching her. And that teaches them at a young age that they have control over their bodies and they have control over who touches it and who interacts with them in that physical way, then when they get to the ninth grade and we're talking about sexual activity explicitly, then they already have an understanding of what bodily autonomy, what consent means. So that when we talk about, you know, what, what is crossing the line? What does date rape look like? How do we prevent that? They understand what we're talking about. Um, A lot of kids that we've heard from, so on our petition, there's a, there's a place where Student uh, people who sign can make a comment. And so a lot of these stories that we've heard, um, you know, with 1,200 signatures, we have a lot of stories. So we have hundreds of stories from students all over the county who talk about being subsequently sexually assaulted in college after they took this class. They also say that because they had this information in their brain, because this was the only sex ed curriculum they were ever exposed to, that once they did experience sexual assault, that they believed they were used up, worthless, of no value. One of the things that says in the book is that if you have sex before marriage, you will not be able to make or achieve your goals. So people believe that they can't you know, that there's no point in continuing on, or they subsequently become extremely promiscuous because they think, Well, I'm used now, so what difference does it make? These are really, really hard stories to hear from these young ladies who I have sat across from the table, just like I'm sitting across the table from you, and had them cry and tell me what has happened to them. And because consent is not being taught within this, this framework, there are so many, I mean, you know what the the rape statistics look like on campus. It's one in four women will be raped in college. And it's not just on the female to prevent that. I think that male students also need to understand, you know, you hear a lot of men these days say, well, I don't even know if I can talk to a woman. Like, I'm afraid to be alone with a woman because I'm afraid I'm going to offend her or do something wrong. So the way to prevent that is to talk about it openly, right? So if we talk about this in sex ed class and these young guys understand what it means to cross the line, where the line is, then we're going a long way to prevent and to decrease some of these, you know, these horrible instances that happen further on, you know, in college or, or, or afterwards. So that's, that's another issue that I feel like really needs to be covered. Okay. Anything else? No, I I think we've
1: covered it all. Give us your website again.
0: Okay, it's www.gwinnettcse.com. And the email address again is gwinnettcse at gmail.com. And you can find us on Facebook at Gwinnett Citizens for Comprehensive Sex Education.
1: And I'm sure that Jamie would be happy to respond to any questions you'd want to put on those pages. Absolutely. So, uh, thank you very much for coming. To <clears throat> excuse me. Thank you very much for coming to visit with us today. We thank appreciate you, it, and uh, we wish you the best of luck.
0: Thank you so much. Okay. I really appreciate it.